The sun is shining in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello again, everybody. This is Harry Carey. That's the most asinine marketing I've ever heard of. Live. Brian sends one a deep left way back. It is gone. A three-run homer. In the entertainment capital of the world. Didn't matter what the count was. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Oh, my goodness. That's the longest home run to center field we have seen in this ballpark. T.C. Martin. Way back in my feet. It could be. Cubs win. Cubs win. Cubs win. Holy cow. Look at the left fielder. He has the ball yet. He has not won. And here comes the Cubs out on the field. is now in hour number two glad to have you with us on this thursday don't forget tomorrow we'll be out at sunset station club madrid our fine radio studio there stn mobile app studio ballpark frank's gonna be off tomorrow off day a meditation relaxation medical day how's that there you go sam gordon will uh, be stepping in tomorrow look forward to that all kinds of great stuff. We'll start previewing another exciting weekend of Euro Cup 2020, even though it's 2021. That's quite all right. And NBA playoffs uh, as well, too. We'll dive into that a little bit uh, later this hour, too. we got the Bucks trying to play without Giannis tonight. And will the Bucks get the job done at home? Game number five, the Bucks and the Hawks. All right, join us now. Our good friend, U.S. Integrity, Matthew Holt. Matt, what is happening, my friend? TC, how we doing? We're doing great, man. We got some UFC to to talk to you about as well, too. Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, it's right around the corner as well, too, right? Absolutely, big fight. I mean, very rare in big fight. And when we talk about pay per view fights, period, it's just rare that we see fights that are exactly a dead pick 'em. That's what we got here with McGregor Poirier three. Yeah, all right. Looking forward to that. So we'll dive into that uh, with you too before that fight, uh, Matt. All right. Uh, today, a uh, pretty important day. Besides it being Bobby Bonilla Day in July first, which we had some fun with that. Uh, the name, image, and likeness scenario kicks in today, where athletes can get paid. Uh, already, several are cashing in. On uh, with many of these uh, endorsements, and I want to touch on, on on a few, and then I want to get your take on some of this uh, from the college football land. Quarterbacks uh, Derek uh, Derek King from Miami, Mackenzie Milton from Florida State, and Bo Nix from Auburn all signed endorsement deals. Now Milton and King actually founded their own business called Dreamfield, which. They're going to be booking student-athletes to do speaking engagements. So here's an opportunity for the college athletes to finally make some money. We see Iowa basketball guard Jordan Bohannon, and you know we just talked about him a couple weeks ago. Remember getting beat up in a bar? So he's uh, taking advantage. He's actually making an appearance at a fireworks store in Iowa, and he's going to get paid handsomely for it. So, so he's going to light it up at the fireworks store before he hopes to light it up on the court. Yeah, there you go. But that's after he got lit up in the bar, which was kind of unfortunate. But we'll we'll, we'll keep that at that. 
And uh, yeah, so we we hear these stories, Matt. Uh, good thing, bad thing for college athletics, and then we bring in the kind of the integrity issue with you here. So I know this is a story that you have followed. You've been very very involved with yourself. So kind of take it from there. Yeah. So overall, I think it's a good thing because at the end of the day, there's so much money to be made. And when these student athletes don't have any money, and so many of them come from impoverished uh, families and and backgrounds, that the fact that they have no money at all and don't have the capability to make money or at least have that taken away from them makes them more vulnerable to match-fixing, game manipulation, insider information, uh, because their families, in, in many cases, are struggling. And, you know, they know that they can help support their families, their friends, whatever, and, you know, themselves, and the vulnerability of not being able to make money makes them more susceptible. So in that reason, I think it's a good thing for integrity purposes. But like anything, anytime there's something that is meant and put into place is a good thing, people are going to try to take advantage of it, job the system, and, you know, we're going to have to be very careful with this because I think as it continues to evolve, we're going to see people try to take advantage of it. I think the one interesting piece of it so far has been the social media business. We've seen a lot of different collegiate athletes ranging from as low as $10 a post all the way up to $100 a post, you know, actually accepting money to make posts, basically, you know, paid for posts on Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, you know, uh, Instagram, whatever. And some of the, the, some of the values of these people are amazing what they think they're going to make. I saw that, you know, we talked, but we always think of the mainstream quarterbacks in college football, and you just mentioned a few. But what about college women's college basketball? The Cavender twins yep, who play right. at Fresno State, three point three million followers on TikTok, half a million followers on Instagram, and their expected social media worth this year I saw in you know paid for posts was up to half a million dollars. Yeah, and in the bank on that, I mean, the Cavender twins, that's Haley and Hannah, like you said, Fresno State basketball players, and they've been kind of social media phenoms over the last couple of years where they would make these TikTok videos and Instagram videos of them dribbling and doing all this stuff, and they have finally capitalized. So once 12.01 a.m. hit early this morning, they could officially sign the deal. And you're right, they have taken it to a whole new level. You're talking about people charging $10 a post and this and that. Well, they signed two big-time deals for six figures each with Boost Mobile and Six Star Nutrition. And they're, on the, they're back in New York right now, and they're on, on this promotional campaign and this tour with Boost Mobile and Six Star Nutrition. And like you said, 250,000 followers on Instagram, 3.3 million uh, uh, rather followers on TikTok, and they've got these, these big-time deals. And once this, these two hit, I know there's going to be more to follow. This is no different than an NBA player or a Major League Baseball player or whatever. And, and here these girls are, juniors at Fresno State. I know this is it really is amazing and I think it's going to change sports a little bit cuz and it's going to change school for some of these athletes and the and the balance a little bit cuz let's face it for the history of of college sports these athletes were on campus to be athletes to be basketball players or to be football players and and while we hoped they all went to school and did their best on the education side 
that that was it. They they had two responsibilities, you know, go to practice, go to go to class. Now all of a sudden we're telling them go go ahead and run a business as well. And it's going to be interesting to see how those things work out. Uh, and in some cases, I think so many of them are going to take this opportunity and learn and grow and develop amazing companies and products and, and some extra money for them and their families. Um, and, and sometimes I think that there's going to be, you know, there's going to be issues. I think that we're already seeing the transfer portal. I mean, what, we had 1,300 men, college basketball players alone this past season enter the transfer portal. I think you're going to see a lot of kids now saying, you know, schools promoting as well, if you come here, you know, we can help you with your social media. We can help you with your business. The whole pitch to get student athletes is going to change and money and opportunity to earn money is now going to be a big part of that pitch. Are we potentially going to see some changing in coaches in that as well? Because we know some coaches aren't big fans of social media. They Some will even ask their players not to participate during the season or whatever. Are we going to have students going, well, I would go to that school, but they're not really cool with me doing the social media thing? Or are coaches going to have to adjust and adapt their game? And what about a player that the coach says, hey, I, I want to do something, and they go, well, I can't make a practice this day or something because I got a signing down at the local uh, you know, the local bookstore, the local uh, some bar or something like that. I mean, it, it just seems like this is kind of open that, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to have, like you said, they're not going to be 100% necessarily focusing on their sport and their studies because it's almost like a third job that they have now. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think one of the tricky parts to this is the coaches better adapt. It's like anything else. It's sort of like the financial services market before electronic trading happened and and some of these guys said you don't need computers to tell you what to trade you need human experience and all those guys are gone now and uh, and it's really kind of similar in sports betting the guys that, that play in play betting on a live basis and um you know you just you need to be faster and, and you need to adapt to the times and these coaches are going to have to do it and i think it's going to create new positions unfortunately, that a lot of these athletic departments are going to have to pony up for, you know, social media advisor. How do, hey, come to our school, come to Alabama, because we have three social media advisors, and they'll help you monetize your social media brand better. And that's something that I think we're going to see as early as this season. Matthew Holt, U.S. Integrity, joins us, and we're talking about today. Very special day for college athletes. The name, image, and likeness kicks in where athletes can get paid uh, specifically for endorsements. And we're seeing a lot of these social media deals, a lot of these social media stars. Uh, We talked about the Cavender Twins, the basketball players from Fresno State. And, you know, the, the people who really can really cash in on this, believe it or not, and when you go back and you look at the social media aspect, Matt, it's the female athletes, and I yeah. saw a story where the volleyball players, uh, volleyball players, basketball players, and softball players, they're the ones that really command the most as far as followers on all these forms. Yeah, it's unbelievable, and I think when some of the first NIL talks started, people said, well, this is only going to help the superstar athlete on high-profile teams. But you're right. If we look at the social media followings of some of these athletes, opportunities for women are suddenly going to be tremendously higher than they ever were before. And I think because of that, 
And because these women are ma- now have the opportunity to make a little more money, it's going to get their profile out there. We've already seen women's basketball, women's softball, increase in betting handle, increase in popularity. I think we're going to see the continued growth of women's sports at the collegiate level because of this, and I think it's great. I do think that it's going to create a little bit of a competitive unbalance and that everybody, you know, I think some people initially thought, well, why would a kid, you know, he's going to be less likely to, you know, take money from a school to go play at that big school now if he can make his own money. But the problem is it's going to be these big programs who we said will hire three social media advisors, will hire another team of NIL advisors. And when you go toward the campus now, my guess is starting as early as next year, Part of a university's pitch to get a student-athlete on campus is going to be, look, we can help you monetize your brand better than anyone. We have an entire team on staff that helps you make more money individually. But who can afford to hire an entire team to help with NIL? It's the people who already have the big money in athletics. That's why I think the rich may get a little richer here in terms of recruitment. When we talk about f- college football and basketball, obviously those are the marquee sports. They're the ones that bring in the, the revenue to these universities and everything. And those are the ones that, that people obviously you know, follow more closely. When you look at these college players, do you think that it may get, get these players to actually stay in school longer, especially when we're looking at football and, and basketball? And I know, let's, let's take out the, the guaranteed number one overall pick like a Trevor Lawrence, like from last year or something like that. But maybe, you know, the, 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 the top stars or the secondary stars, do you think that maybe that they say, stay an extra year or two longer in college because of this? I do. I actually think it's one of the greatest aspects of NIL is so many student-athletes leave because of the pressure. My family needs me. I come from an impoverished background. It's not just me, it's my brothers, my sisters, my mother, my father, my grandmother, my grandfather, who are really dependent on me, you know, to go out there and maximize my earning capabilities. And maybe the, you know, the highest salary in your whole family might be thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year, and you may come out early in a sport like basketball or baseball or uh, football, but especially basketball and baseball, or as a freshman, hey, maybe I'm not ready for the NBA, but if I can just make it in Europe or the G League and get a hundred grand a year, I'll make more than double anyone in my family does. And the pressure to be that support system in your family is so great on some of these student athletes that now, if they have the capabilities to earn, they have the capabilities to be, you know, offer some financial support and stability to their family and still stay in school and get that degree that's going to help them down the road. I think we're going to see more and more student athletes now staying in college, and I think that's a great thing. Do you think, in some ways, that this could uh, make some campuses or like programs a little bit more competitive like okay there's a local car dealership and they want five guys to do a a remote form an autograph signing but you're the guy who's just on the outside looking in i mean do you try to get part of that are you competing against your teammates or do you think maybe in a weird kind of way it'll help like the starting qb says well yeah i'll do a signing but bring my offensive line with me because these are the guys that protect me or something it seems like there's a lot of different scenarios that could come to fruition in this That's hard to predict right now. We're so in the early stages of it. And, again, look, when we were all thinking about NIL 
five or six months ago, wasn't everybody thinking about, wow, yeah, I'm sure the star quarterback's going to earn a ton of money, but what about, right. you know, what, what about the twins at Fresno State? Mm-hmm. What are they going to earn? But now what we're seeing is this social media networking and posting that we never even, and it's not just, you know, it's not just a couple of people here. It's not just the Cavender twins. It's not just, you know, the guy in Florida I saw who was, all excited about it's people across the country are saying wow i can make money simply by just posting i i think there's going to be different lanes that's true in any industry where you're going to have people that are going to make a lot of money off nil but you're going to have some that just find a way to make some money and no different than any other industry or any business some are going to get real creative some of them are going to get real innovative and some are going to make more than others. And I don't know that it's always going to be the star quarterback or the star point guard, because at the end of the day, they're focused on their brand now, what I'm going to earn in the future in the NFL or the NBA. I I actually think we're going to see some, I don't want to call them average athletes, but some athletes who maybe aren't going to be the number one pick in the draft getting really innovative and earning maybe six figures of NIL money which is more than they'll ever earn in a professional career that they may never have. Do you foresee this also changing the classroom on college campuses a little bit? Like we could have courses in TikTok or how to best utilize yourself in social media. hundred percent. And I think the biggest challenge year one and two is going to be the administrative side. So eligibility rules are still a little vague. What the NCA is going to go after, we don't know because it's never been in, you know, this hasn't been enforced yet. What can athletes do and what can't they do? And those lines are a little blurred right now. And, you know, all the different revenue streams probably haven't been contemplated yet. We talked about, you know, anytime there's opportunity, there's people trying to take advantage of opportunity. It's going to be a challenge. And my guess is both during the football and basketball season, we're going to see some star players or at least really important players to their team become ruled ineligible to play for violation of NIL rules. And some of those players will have unintentionally done it because they didn't understand the rules or the administrators at their campus weren't fully aware of all the rules. And that's going to be a big challenge on campus is educating your administrators to truly understand something like NIL to make sure that you're doing two things, making sure the student athletes are maximizing their revenue so they're happy, but at the same time keeping those athletes eligible because as the university who's still paying for their full scholarship, their room and board, their food, their travel, their books, which we know has a six-figure cost to it. People don't want to talk about, you know, what a student-athlete actually gets or what it costs the university. But I think there's been several studies out there that show that, uh, like, a football player on a D1 Power 5 school costs that university six figures to feed him, house him, pay for all his books, his tuition. It's not inexpensive. And thus, because it is so expensive per student-athlete to the university, they really need to ensure that they keep these student-athletes eligible during something like NIL, which is still very new. And I think that's going to pose a big challenge. And unfortunately, we're probably going to see some student-athletes who unintentionally step out of bounds and become ineligible 
not truly understanding the rules of NIL. Matt, you bring up a great point there that I think – I know I didn't even think about that, and everyone else who's listening probably said the same thing, that, yeah, I mean, that is going to probably lead to – you know, some more violations and that sort of thing. Oh, there's lawyers lining up right now that are studying this stuff going, all right, if a kid gets busted for this, I'm going to defend him on this thing. There's going to be lawyers involved before all this is said. And we know the NCAA is is trying to be, you know, compliant with all this, and they want to act like they're behind it. But you know darn well, I mean, the NCAA has their own, you know, big-time investigative crew here already, and then this is just going to give them more... You know, more fodder. And the Power Five conferences are going to have better lawyers and that kind of stuff than other ones. I mean, hell, just last year we saw with the Big Ten and all the football and everything else, they weren't going to play, then they were going to play, then they were like, now we have to play because otherwise guys are going to start leaving and that. So, no, there's definitely going to be a lot of tentacles to this thing. Right. right. And that's where it affects wagering the most. Right. And uh, breaking news, this is just in. Uh, while you were saying all that, uh, Matt, uh, Numchuck just signed up, uh, I think, over at UNLV for TikTok 101. There it is. <laughs> oh, well, how about your buddy in Green Bay? Are they going to start paying the gamers that come in? Because that's, that's right. a big thing as well. Yeah. And, I mean, if you're a gamer and you win a championship – isn't it a no-brainer that you're doing video, you're doing commercials to push yeah. Sega or this one or that one or whatever? So, so you know, my good friend know. Amon Green, yeah, the former Amon Green's yeah. favorite joystick, right? Exactly. Because so, I don't know if you know this or not, Matt, but you know, Amon is actually the uh, I can forget the title again now. He's the, actually the the gaming coach. There at Lakeland University in Wisconsin. What? Yes, He's a gaming coach. Gaming coach, and, and, and he recruits not nationally but internationally. Internationally, yes. He, he looks at people over in Europe and that to bring kids on scholarships. And there is a league for this. A, yes, a, a, a call a college league for the, this gaming stuff. Well, I, I know Utah wanted to be the first school in the Pac-12 yeah. to actually have like a whole gaming league yeah. in that, and they wanted uh, the Pac-12 to be on the forefront of pushing forward and having all these gaming leagues. Yeah, he is the head esports coach, Matt. So there you go. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. I'll tell you, esports is really tricky in my world from a compliance yeah. and regulatory standpoint because so many of the students, so many of the athletes that participate in esports aren't of a legal age to gamble anyway. That's right. Yet in many states, gambling on them is legal, creates all kinds of headaches. Let me ask you, which sport do you think benefits the most from this? We're talking about the teams and then keeping players, or just, or just maybe even from a publicity standpoint. Is it fo- football? Is it basketball? What is it? No, I don't think it's football because football already has you know you have to stay there a couple of years, mm-hmm. and the, the difference between the big bad great football programs and the not so great is so far apart already that that it you know is it, I don't think this could mm-hmm. close the gap. But I think the two sports is baseball, and we'll call it baseball slash softball, and men and women's basketball, where we see more and more one-and-done players, so many of which are not ready to become professional, but do it because of the pressure behind them to earn some type of income from their basketball abilities. I think those are the sports that are, A, there's so many of them, they're really popular, they fill arenas, basketball is already a revenue generator now. But now you continue to get all the extra branding, the extra awareness that comes with it. And I think athletes stay longer. And the longer they stay and are promoting their brand through NIL, people get to know them more. I think March Madness, which is already a monster, just continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger. 
Well, and one other thing that I think is going to, that we might see come to the forefront of this, in years like this that are Olympic years, are some of the athletes that compete in the Olympics going to find a boon at certain times? Like, if you're somebody on the USA gymnastics team, and now all of a sudden you're going into college after this because most of those girls are too young and then they go to college afterwards, they might already have that recognizable name. Or maybe some sports that aren't as well-known in swimming and diving or something, all of a sudden they're on a swimming team. Oh, so-and-so's, you know. Uh, Lotke's going to Indiana University or something like that, they might have that recognition. There might be boon times and peak times for some of the Olympic-type sports. You know, that's a good point, Frank, and I'll be interested to see if we get a boost off of this Olympics that we're about to see here in a month. And part of the reason I'm a little bit pessimistic is because the games are taking place in Tokyo, and thus the live events are going to happen at 2 in the morning and 3 in the morning over here in the U.S., and so I think, unfortunately, we're only going to get to watch the replays on prime time. We won't get to watch as many events since they're not happening live over here while we're all awake or watching TV during prime TV hours. But when we have another Olympics back here, at least on this hemisphere, it'll be interesting to see if we see the Olympics give a big boost to these athletes that are swimming, diving, track and field. But I am a little bit pessimistic about Tokyo for the U.S. collegiate athletes, just because the time difference makes it so hard to watch. You know, I think in going back to what you talked about, the football versus basketball you know, situation about you know, uh, keeping players in school longer, make it interesting for fans, I, I think it is you know, the college basketball thing, and I think fans would love to see these stars play more than one year you know, after their freshman year, and so they can get back to some form of stability and then you know, coaching from a recruiting standpoint, but be able to keep, you know, these stars, uh, even if they're not the maybe a first round draft pick, but keeping these other these other secondary stars in in their school for maybe all four years or three years, if they can make a decent amount of money, and you know maybe bypass uh, you know going to the G League or some of these other things that are going on here. So wouldn't it be great? I mean, it'd be better for the NBA, it'd be better for college basketball, it'd be better for ratings, it'd be better for everything if we got college basketball the way it was, say, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And even without that, even with the one-and-dones, college basketball, both men and women's, continues to grow in popularity every year. But to your point, imagine fans then got to invest in players again. Hey, this kid's a freshman, and I feel good that we're going to have him for three years. That only gets more engagement from fans and more engagement from the community. I just think basketball and baseball, and baseball is another one where we see so many kids signing out of high school or as freshmen, that if you can keep them there a little bit longer, it builds the program up, it builds awareness up, and more fans stay engaged with your program. I think there's a big opportunity for both sports, and I hope they take advantage of it. You know, I'm sure that one of the reasons that they're trying to implement this stuff now is because they're trying to get the cheating and the boosters and the under-table payments out of the equation. Do you think this is going to succeed in that? Do you think that there's still going to be schools and boosters that are going to go, well, look, you might not be making what you thought you were going to on this and that, so we're still going to slip you something underneath the table or whatever because, you know, your value is actually more than you're getting right now off the field because I know everybody wants the boosters out of it. Do you think this will accomplish that? I think what's going to happen is that they're going to tell these kids that they have a team that is responsible to find them revenue and that, Hey, look what our team found for players in the past. You know, Fresno state may not be the best example, but 
if you say, hey, look, we got the, you know, our, our team helped the Cavender Twins, even if the Cavender Twins really did it all on their own, get over $600,000 a year. People are going to go, whoa, 600000 you know, that's going to blow people away. So I think that they'll do it through that. And then what they'll do is they'll go out and rather than a booster giving money directly to a student athlete now, he'll simply hire them. Come over here and do a commercial at my car, at my car lot. And that's how they'll get the boosters done. I do think that what it doesn't help is the match fixing, the game manipulation, or the potential misuse of insider information. Because to your point, some of these lesser-known student athletes who, you know, maybe you're the sixth guy off a, a team in the MAC. And you're not really getting any NIL deals, but at the end of the day, if you know that betters connect with you and you can give them information around the eligibility and health of the team and they're willing to pay any time, hey, if the point guard's out, it's worth this, and if this guy's ruled ineligible, it's worth this, if you can tell me before any of the books know. Unfortunately, I still think that market's going to continue to flourish and be one that we spend a lot of time trying to fight against. All right. Uh, Numchuck just wants to know if uh, cheerleaders are going to get a chance to make money now, like uh, with OnlyFans. They're student athletes. I don't see why they wouldn't be able to. <laughs> there you go. Right. There you go. A lot of them are on scholarship, you know. There you go. All right. Hey, great stuff, my friend. Uh, hopefully, you have yourself a, a great weekend. I know you're going to take advantage of the three day weekend. <laughs> We're going to have you back on next week and we talk Poirier and McGregor uh, for, for the UFC fight coming up a week from Saturday night as well, too. So, Yeah, taking the boys fly fishing up north in the mountains. So hopefully, we catch something besides the cold. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs> we'll expect to see some pictures there. All right. All right, brother. Great. Great stuff, Matt. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Take care. All right. There he is. Matthew Holt, U.S. Integrity. And, again, uh, former longtime executive in the sportsbook industry and has turned his attention to his own company, U.S. Integrity, that uh, monitors the integrity of the collegiate sports as well as the professional sports as well, too. So uh, he's, he's, he's been a player. He's been an observer of this whole NIL thing from the beginning and uh, brings up some very, very good points. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting, too, because you start wondering at a certain point. Because remember, you know, when the Internet really exploded and people started different doing different sites and that. And you wonder if in some respects there's going to be some pettiness and some people that aren't as happy about some of these things. When they find out that an Anna Kornikova, who never won a major tennis tournament, but was seven of the top ten websites at one time on the Internet because it was all about her looks and she was more of a model than basically her athleticism out there. So... Are there going to be some of these schools or whatever where players are going, wait a second, I'm a much better player than so-and-so, but she's got the look or he's got the look and it's kind of a beefcake thing or something. So I'm curious to see how that goes with this money grabbing and that kind of stuff as well. I know Numchuk was kind of joking about the cheerleaders and OnlyFans mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff, but there's going to be some yeah. people that might not be the star of the team, but they might have other assets that make them more susceptible to earning some paydays. Of course, of course. And I'll say this as well, too. And not this isn't a sexist comment, but when you look at the Cavender Twins from Fresno State, they're very entertaining in what they're doing and putting these videos together, but they're two very good-looking girls as well, too. 
And and again, they and when you go to their Instagram page or their TikTok and you see the poses of yeah. them, like you know, blowing kisses and yeah. that sort of thing. And, I mean, and that's part of it, like it or not. That's a reality. They're, they're but but that can appeal. also, yeah, yeah. But they, there could also yeah. be some petty jealousy that does arise. Absolutely. You know, it's yeah. like, wait a second. I'm the star of this team. I'm averaging 20 points a game and 15 rebounds, but I can't get an endorsement mm-hmm. because, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, Nubchuck just went and followed the Cavender twins. He's he's all over them now. Look at this. Why, Nubchuck? Why? What a shock. You're not a basketball fan. Oh, you like the way they look. See? There you go. Social media. That's what happens. All right. When we come back, a very serious story uh, that broke earlier today, and we are going to talk about that is Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher Trevor Bauer in some serious trouble. We have... Uh, police report information uh, for you. We'll g- give you that. And uh, we'll talk about uh, tonight's NBA playoff game as well. Back to more nonstop sports talk with the Dr. T.C. Martin. How about some Major League Baseball scores from yesterday, huh? Cubs score seven runs in the top of the first. Now, if you're a Cubs fan, they're playing Milwaukee yesterday. You're loving that. I looked at the first thing I looked at after I looked at the box score of that game yesterday, and I remember hearing the seven nothing, you know, when it was going on. So I followed it, but I was curious how many fans were there yesterday. They had thirty three thousand at Milwaukee, and as you know, we both know because we've been there. Uh, just as many Cub fans, if not more, Cub fans drive, you know, down. You know, yeah, when, when the Cubs the were really good and Milwaukee yeah. wasn't good, they used to call it Wrigley North. Exactly. And it, it's still pretty much that way. But uh, yesterday, Cubs score seven in the first. And the Brewers scored one, and they scored five, and it was seven to six at the end of two innings. Final score, 15-7 Milwaukee. Holy cow. Cubs scored seven, seven nothing, and they gave up 15 unanswered runs. Unbelievable. 15-7 final. And the thing about it was... But if it's seven nothing in the first... I mean, you can't just assume that thing is over. I mean, Milwaukee's been hitting the cover off the ball lately. Okay, I'll give you a stat. Do you know what the stat was for a team leading by seven runs prior to yesterday's game? What the what the records were of combined I know I saw something. No, I don't know just if this, this was year. that stat or because I know the Cubs all all yeah. time are like two hundred thirty four and one yeah. when they have that stat going yeah. on. So yeah. I mean, of course, right. it's a tremendous yeah. stat. Right. That's it. Yeah, it's it's. But you're crazy. still dealing with the Cubs pitching staff. Here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Fifteen seven at that final. And here's the thing. So what it was, was that stat? It, it was what you said. Yeah, um, yeah. Two hundred two hundred thirty four and one. Whatever. But the thing about it is, you've got uh, there was no scoring last four and a half five innings of this game. It was fifteen to seven. Like after the fourth, well, the guys were tired out <laughs> running around the bases. Really? What was the Cubs' excuse? I mean, they were tired in the first inning? They were tired out watching Milwaukee they, run they, around the bases. They, they put up eight zeros. <laughs> Ridiculous. And then you last know, night... They, they got a touchdown on their first drive, and then they didn't score afterwards. Then the Falcons beat the Jets yesterday 20-3. to Oh, that wasn't the Falcons and the Jets? The Falcons and the Jets. Oh, it was the Braves and the Mets. Oh. God, don't, come on. I'm showing some humor here. You get that? Okay, yeah. 20-3, to Atlanta beat New York. The Mets. Ahead of Bobby Bonilla Day. Oh, I was going to say that's because they were, they were getting ready for the send that check to Bobby Bonilla. So. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, they, there's a gift. But then the, the Yankees Braves. also have a big uh, game that they, they blew the big lead with Otani getting chased early on in the game. But First then they inning. come back. First inning. Yeah, again. They gave up, yeah, se- se- seven runs. 
And, uh, yeah, Otani gave up seven runs. Just uh, ridiculous. Couldn't make it out of the first inning. And what happened? Went Did, extras, didn't right? get a loss. Yeah. Didn't, didn't get a loss. He didn't. Yeah. Yeah, some crazy games yesterday. Crazy games every day. So, yeah, we look forward to getting our guy Chris Bazio back, who's actually in Wisconsin now. He's, he's back in Wisconsin dealing with some family stuff back there. But, uh, yeah, you know, he's, he's back there and uh, checking out those brewers. Cubs right down the street as well. All right, so here's a pretty disturbing story. Let's get into this. Uh, Dodgers pitcher Trevor Bauer is in trouble. A woman claims that Bauer sexually assaulted her on two different occasions at his home in Pasadena. Now, they met on Instagram, uh, became flirtatious. She actually drove from her home in San Diego to Pasadena on these two occasions. So here are the details from the police report. The pair reportedly had sex that she described as initially consensual, with Bauer asking her if she had ever been choked. She says yes, at which point she says Bauer put his hands around her neck and applied light pressure. The woman said that Bauer then put his fingers down her throat, at which point she asked him to stop. Bauer did. Then she claimed that he wrapped her hair around her neck and choked her unconscious without asking her for consent. She says that she woke up face down on the bed in the morning and to find out that Bauer had anal sex with her, something she said she never consented to. She said that she was bleeding from her anus and barely able to walk afterwards, did not think he was a threat to do it, to do it uh, anything against her, for the remainder of the night. That's why she stayed. She claims that she told Bauer she didn't enjoy him having anal sex with her the following morning. Something she said she seemed that, that he actually seemed to understand. Uh, Bauer invited the woman to his house again a month later. So this, this first altercation took uh, place in uh, April 21st. The second one is May 15th. So on May 15th, he asked her to agree on a safe word. So five minutes into sex, she claims he started choking her again to the point of unconsciousness. When she woke up, she says Bauer was punching her head several times with blows to her left jaw, her left side of her head, and both cheekbones. After punching her, she says he flipped her onto her stomach and choked her again into unconsciousness. Now she said she started crying and shaking violently when she woke up with pain behind both her ears, to which Bauer reacted by repeatedly saying, you're safe, I'm here, you're safe. He then scratched her back and whispered to her, I would never do these things to you if it wasn't sexually. So to back up her account, the woman provided multiple pictures to the court showing her face visibly bruised with two black eyes, a bloodied lip, scratches to the side of her face, she was also provided uh, text messages and voicemails from Bauer afterward to the court. She underwent two medical evaluations following her second encounter with Bauer, including a trip to the emergency room a day after the second encounter where she had a rapid CT scan of her brain, face, and her neck. She said that her medical notes indicated that significant head and facial trauma occurred with signs of uh, a skull fracture. Now, Bowers Camp responded with text messages dated between May the 9th and May the 12th, all between 
these two encounters. Now, the screenshots of these text messages show that the pair were exchanging flirty banter on May the 9th with the victim appearing to say that she enjoyed being choked during the first encounter and asking to be slapped in the face saying, give me all the pain. At no point, however, does she request to be punched as she alleged Bauer did during the second encounter. So the uh, Pasadena police now are investigating this, where this happened at Bauer's home. Now, after giving an account of her time with Bauer to an emergency room psychiatrist and doctor, she met with multiple detectives with the San Diego Police Department, and she said she initially downplayed the incident as just rough sex, and she didn't provide Bauer's name due to a fear of potential repercussions from him. But the Pasadena Police Department got involved here, and they directed the woman to text Bauer, who was texting her nonstop, asking if she had been okay. So as the police, um, they requested that she call him back, and the police recorded the call. And um, so during the call, she asked him, what did you do to me when I was unconscious? And Bauer admitted to repeatedly punching her in the buttocks, but changed the subject when she told him she did not consent to that. So Bauer's attorneys released this statement today. Mr. Bauer had a brief and wholly consensual sexual relationship initiated by the alleged victim beginning April 2021. We have messages that show the alleged victim repeatedly asking for rough sexual encounters involving requests to be choked out and slapped in the face. In both of their encounters, the alleged victim drove from San Diego to Mr. Bauer's residence in Pasadena, where she went on to dictate what she wanted from him sexually and did what was asked. Following each of their two meetings with Mr. Bauer, the victim allegedly spent the night and left without incident, continuing to message Mr. Bauer with friendly and flirtatious banter. In the days following their second and final encounter, the alleged victim shared photos of herself and indicated that she had sought medical care for a concussion. Mr. Bauer responded with concern and confusion, and the alleged victim was neither angry nor accusatory. Mr. Bauer and the victim have not uh, corresponded over a month and a half and have not seen each other over the last six weeks. Her basis for filing a protection order is non-existent, it's fraudulent, and deliberatory omits key facts, information, and her own irrelevant communications. Any allegations that the pairs and counties were not 100% consensual are baseless, defamatory, and will be refuted to the fullest extent of the law. So there you have both sides of the story. Serious stuff here. Investigation going on. Major League Baseball is involved. We understand Dave Roberts made a statement uh, a couple hours ago saying that He's planning on pitching Trevor Bauer on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's definitely a, a very strange story. Uh, you know, if there was consent or not, obviously the text messages and that sort of stuff back and forth are going to play a big part in how this thing ends up going, what direction it goes in. Uh, you mentioned in the second encounter that Bauer basically admitted to punching her in the face and there were facial problems and also punched her in the buttocks and the vagina from what the original statement said. Uh, then she came out and said that after the shock originally wore off, that's when she decided to uh, realize that she needed to do something about it because she didn't want Trevor doing this to other women. Uh, I, I, I don't know exactly what happened, I know that some things that seem completely out of line to me 
occurred between the two of them. But I know that there's going to be people out there, too, that say, well, after the first incident, why did you go back for a second one? There's going to be a lot of layers to this. But it seems from just being on the outside looking in and just looking at the information we have in front of us, that the text messages and the other vibes and the phone call that she made to him and that 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 is going to play a very significant role in what direction this whole thing goes. If it was consensual, I don't understand it. And and I still don't think that, okay, well, here's a safe word and I'm going to punch you in the face. I don't understand what that has to do with sex, love, or anything else out there. But again, some people are into different stuff, but... If he did this after she said the safe word and everything, it's absolutely horrendous. And if he didn't, you're a professional athlete. You're a big guy. You're a major league pitcher. There should still be a point when you go, okay, I need to ease off a little bit here. I'm choking her in on consciousness. She's got, you know, lacerations on her face, and I'm still beating the hell out of her, essentially. it's it, it, I don't know when too much is, is not enough or too much or whatever. It, it, it's a scary situation. I guess for me, I'm just shaking my head about the whole thing right. because I can't even relate to people wanting this sort of right. thing. And, and here's the thing. You can have rough sex and want to have rough sex, and we understand. You know, couples do that. But here's the thing. He can say, or his attorneys can say, that it's consensual. But here, for me, it, it's a no-brainer here. It's an assault. Forget it, the sexual assault, if, you know, if you're dealing with is it consensual or not when you start punching someone in the face that has nothing to do with sex well choking them on consciousness seems a bit overboard to me as got well. nothing to do with sex choking them exactly sex in you know that well, this goes to court which looks like it definitely will unless it's settled you know out of court i mean you, they're gonna look at that and say choking is not part of sex you, you, we know what, what what sex is rough sex or whatever okay but choking and punching someone in the face, fracturing their skull, breaking their cheekbones. Yeah, Trevor Bauer is going to be in some trouble here. And again, this story seems to have some substance because they've already looked at this. They have text messages to back it. They have pictures to back it. You have her testimony as well, too. They have the doctor's they, statements. They have the doctor's statement, hospital records, all of those things. So... Even if you find the happy medium that, okay, Trevor Bauer and this lady had sexual encounters and they were consensual, that's probably not debatable. But the rough sex and going overboard with the, the assaulting her, th- that seems like that, 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 that's cause for some serious jail time there for Trevor, Trevor Bauer. Well, and I know in the big scheme of things, this isn't that important. But if you're a Dodger fan... How are you going to feel Sunday when Trevor Bauer takes the mound? How do women feel? Women fans. How do women feel? Even men feel sure. that you, you've got a daughter. Yeah, you know, absolutely. a lot of you know. I mean, we. How do you feel about the Dodgers basically saying, "Well, this is still a pending investigation, and that's so innocent until proven guilty." Go out there and get them, because if it, if it was you know one of the teams that I cheer for. I would feel very uneasy watching that guy and cheering for him on that day, knowing what we know now. Now, again, we don't know exactly what all is going to come out, but it looks pretty damn bad. Right. Again, and there it looks to be some serious substance with this. This doesn't sound like it's too much of a he said, she said thing, especially you know when the police are, are going through this investigation and you've got photos and hospital records to back this up. 
And, and, and the phone calls and yes. the doctor's reports yeah. and everything else out there. I mean, she didn't choke herself in her unconsciousness. She right. didn't punch herself in the face and do this sort of stuff. There was things going on there that should not have been going on, period. Yeah, no question. So, and, and back to your point about the Dodgers trotting him out there. I mean, we, we talk about, and we've just had these conversations about, you don't know what an athlete is going through in these long seasons. You don't know if they could be having personal problems and not feeling well. Talking about the guys vomiting on the mound yesterday and even beyond that. How's Trevor Bauer's head right now? You want to bet on Trevor Bauer on Sunday? You want to bet against Trevor Bauer on Sunday? Okay, and what happens when the Dodgers go on the road? And you know, we're still talking about how fans are treating the Astros when they go on the road for the cheating scandal, this and that. Fans should and, and probably will light this guy up and talk about booing him and saying, you know, all these derogatory things. I, I mean, wouldn't be surprised they, if we yeah. see women's groups outside of Dodger Stadium. Absolutely. Even though they're home games. E- yeah, even the home games. Yeah. Yeah. You could see that. I mean, there's so, how many million people yeah. in LA? And, and I think Dave Roberts probably blew this one right here. He should have just said no comment. Instead he's saying, Well, we're gonna let this thing play out. It's out of our hands, but Trevor's starting on Sunday. He probably just should have stopped after his first sentence right there and, and not say that. Because, again, like you said, bad look. And what kind of condition is your pitcher in going through this? I mean, this is national news. This is headline news, not just on ESPN today, not just sports stations, sports talk radio. You know, they're talking about this, you know, on, on CNN and everything else. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, let, let, let's celebrate the 4th of July by putting Trevor Bauer on the mound on Sunday. Yeah, all right. All right, looking forward to tonight's NBA game. What do you think, man? No Giannis, Milwaukee? Are they going to rise to the occasion? I think they're going to lose because of no Giannis. No Giannis? Could be. All right. Uh, they are 6-5 and five when Giannis doesn't play and Chris Middleton does play, so that's the scenario tonight. So we'll see what happens. All right. And uh, Trey Young is listed as out as out. well, too. So I know that he was questionable. So well, then we might have overtime. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. All right. All right, my friend, you're taking tomorrow off. Uh, good luck to you, and we will see you back on Monday. Yeah, I'm doing a little medical procedure, and I just hope everything works out okay. I'm sure that it, it will. So, all right. Well, one way or another, yeah. problem solved. <laughs> Thoughts out to my man, Ballpark Frank, no doubt. All right, I want to thank uh, Bill Ambeer for joining us today, talking Las Vegas Aces. That interview will be up on the website uh, very, very soon, so uh, check all of that out as well, too. And our interview from Mickey Sudo, pretty good stuff with all the food yesterday. And our interview on the, fr- on the homepage with Bill Cartwright, a lot of people talking about that, about his comments with Scotty Pippen. Go check that out. That's still up on the homepage at tcmartinshow.com. We're on all of the available podcast platform so go check it out whether it's itunes spotify they're all out there go to the website check everything out tcmartshow.com we'll catch you tomorrow at two